Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. Okay, so I remember feeling so many moments of uncertainty in my relationship when I loved someone with an addiction. And I found myself at that fork in the road where you're like, should I stay? Should I go? And this relationship uncertainty really was stressful because here I was with someone that I loved so much and for so long, and he was struggling. And yet I was languishing. I was struggling. The relationship was full of 
abuse and trauma and stress and you name it, lies and stealing. Like normally if someone was like a fly on the wall looking in at my relationship, they'd be like, Andrea, why are you staying so long? And so I think I, I I just perpetually stayed in that relationship. I put up with so much. I kept getting love bombs and, and so many letters that no, we're good, Andrea. Like I would kept getting promises and then lied to and broken promises and then love again. And then little glimmers of hope of the person that I fell in love with that was coming back. So needless to say, how it ended for me was he ended up leaving me. He did what I couldn't do. And it was the saddest and the hardest thing that I have ever gone through. And um, it just, it was heartbreaking. And so I thought today, and actually the guest that I have on the show, uh, she suggested this topic and I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. So I'm so excited to have Courtney on the show. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you, Andrea. It's good to be here. Good to be back. Yay. So we're just going to have a candid conversation about this whole idea of relationship uncertainty when you are in a relationship, when you have an addicted loved one, whether we should stay or go. And we were mentioning in the support group, um, the SYCAM support group, there's so many people that say, I don't know, should I stay or should I go? And, And then some people are like, leave, you know, run as fast as you can. And other people are like, well, it might get better. And then there's hope. And, you know, you, but nobody really knows for another person, whether or not you should stay or go. And you may not know, and it might be different every single day. So we just thought it would be great to have a a discussion around it. Yeah, I agree. And, and staying or going, it's, it's such a personal decision. Um, because we all have different needs and wants in our life. We all have different things that we can tolerate and things we can't tolerate. Um, and I know personally <laughs> from the last 15 years, I got so much unsolicited advice um, from individuals where it was like, why would you stay in this relationship? And not only did was I dealing with the difficulty in the relationship, then I was dealing with the shame and guilt of, well, why am I staying in this relationship? And, and it, you know, it just confounds the issues and makes it so much harder to really think about, you know, what is in my best interest and have that clarity on, you know, why am I staying in a relationship? Why would I leave a relationship? Um, and a lot of, I think, going back to, you know, understanding what is a healthy relationship to begin with, Right. Yeah. And I think there's so, it's so common to have this uncertainty because addiction is so complex and it is, you know, it brings out the worst in people. And the reality is, is that you get little glimmers often of hope, or you get little glimmers of the person that you once fell in love with when the addiction isn't taking such strong hold. And, and then obviously the addiction, whether depending on what kind of addiction you're dealing with, it has all kinds of byproducts that go with it. So whether they're stealing from you, lying, or even abusing you verbally or physically. And, um, and it's almost like, I remember feeling embarrassed, like telling my, my, my best friend, telling her like what was going on in the relationship. And she was like, Ange, that is like, that's not healthy. Like, and she, and, and I trusted her and then my heart would break. I'm going, I know, but I'm so like, I, I'd be so almost shamed and embarrassed that I was staying in this relationship and putting up with how much I put up with. It was so hard, but I, I just, you know, I, 
I am an optimist and and I like I believe in I was believing in his potential. I wasn't really looking at his actions, so to speak. I was believing in the person I was hoping the person that I fell in love with was going to come back. No, and I can totally relate to that because you I would use like my personality and my brain to think like, well, how would I, how would I think about that? How would I react to that? How would I behave in that situation? And I think it's really hard when you get like that intermittent reinforcement where you have the really good times with someone where you think, oh my God, this is wonderful. You know, we're having a great time. And then you get those like horrible lows. So you get this yo-yo effect. And I think you know, that on top of um, when someone is manipulating and not telling the truth and gaslighting, you know, then you start to question yourself and question your own sanity. You question, like, I I know for myself, I had like crippling self-doubt because of you, I would see something, I would have a red flag, I would say something, and then it would get twisted around. And I would think like, well, obviously, maybe I'm the one that's in the wrong, you know. And when someone has an addiction, you know, I I think of like addiction behaviors and recovery behaviors. So addiction behaviors, deny, deflect, blame, you know, not take accountability, not take responsibility. And so I was being blamed for all of his poor behaviors and I just like sucked that in and I thought oh well I am to blame right like I must work harder I can do things differently like if I just did this this and this then he would change right and so there's so many like misconceptions and things that get twisted around when you're so close and in in an intimate relationship with someone with addiction an addiction Oh my gosh. And it so is intermittent. It's like reinforcement of, you know, you get little reminders and I love the way you put like a yo-yo there's ups and downs and, and, and especially when you love someone with an addiction. And that's why it's often referred to as it's like, you're on a roller coaster, like up and down, you're being like thrown around. And, um, and it's so true. Like I, I, it's, it's so hard. And I think that's what we're trying to portray is that you get sucked into the world of addiction. And sometimes you, you get to that point. I know I did too, is where I thought, Oh my God, I'm, I'm like, he would say, you're crazy. Like, there's not a problem here. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. It's like, it's like, what? And then you start to second guess yourself and it slowly eats away at your self-worth. It eats away at, um, you know, the relationship and it it really does make you question. Besides, it's also the fact that I had a nine-year relationship with this person. Like he basically came into my children's lives at a very young age and we had many great years together. And you know what? Sometimes too, when people are in active addiction, they're very functional. They're a functional addict. And so, I think that that makes it hard too, because they are functioning and that they, you know, they're, they're still in your life and you don't necessarily, like some women and some men as well, they've been in relationships for so long that they don't know any different. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it just would be so hard to, you know, pack everything up and and leave um, at the, you know, and so I think that this discussion is so important. And I, I do love the fact that 
you brought up that there's no shame in staying, there's no shame in going. And I think this whole podcast and the book and the community is all about how to take back your power and how to regain your power and focus on you, have the courage to focus on you. So I think the, the purpose of our conversation today is to not give you any advice, but just to figure out ways to tap into your power again and regain that power by gaining clarity and focusing on you. What is it that you value? What are your needs? You know, what is it that you want in a relationship? If you get that clarity, then it's really amazing that as you're spectating the behavior around you and the interactions you have, it might give you some ammunition to make your own decision on whether to stay or whether to go. Um, and so I always have this saying, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. <laughs> and it's so true. And when you're sucked into that world of addiction is sometimes it's like you, you're in there like, and you're just like, it's, can we speak to that a little bit? Like that expression, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think when you, and in my case, I knew him for 20 years. And when you're dealing with a hidden, in my case, it was a hidden addiction. And I didn't even know I was dealing with manipulation and gaslighting and, you know, him not telling the truth, right? So it took me, it took me a really, really long time and multiple books, multiple support groups, talking to many people to realize like, oh my gosh, like the, this, the emotional toll of someone else constantly manipulating your reality, right? And it's very hard when you're sitting in that, like I said, because I developed so much self-doubt that I didn't even know, like, before this relationship, I was like, I knew what I wanted. I had very hard, like what my values are, integrity, respect for others, honesty, like very clear things that were core to my personality since I was a little girl. But when you're in this situation and things just get like twisted and twisted and twisted, and you're like, you're having conversations where I, you know, I think back on some of these conversations, I'm like, that was a crazy, like, that was insane. Like someone was arguing a point that didn't make any sense. And I'm arguing with like logic and reason. And I'm being told you're wrong. You don't know, you know, you're not a man. You're not this, you're, you're not in this situation. You don't know what you're talking about. And I got to the point where Andrea, like I was having to have, like, I would have to go back and have conversations with my friends and be like, let me ask you, Yeah, <laughs> this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what was told to me. Like, th- is that right to you? And they're like, oh my gosh, like, absolutely not. not you, yes. You're thinking straight. He's the one not thinking straight. And I had to do that constantly, yes. just and I'm constantly. Sure. Yes. And I'm sure that some listeners are like shaking their head going, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. It's like, 
you sit there sometimes and you think, am I going crazy? And so that's one of the suggestions too, is to start journaling so you can keep keep track of the, the conversations that you have, the reality. And that's one of the ways to kind of navigate being gaslit or um, uh, having that gaslight effect. And so I think that it's, it, that's just basically um, when you feel like you're being told that you, you, you see reality as one way, but you're being told the reality is actually a different way. So it's confusing. Um, and so that's why journaling and that's the, it, when you're in the, in the muck of it, it's hard to get clarity on that. And I always call them like, I, I think you raised such a good point too, about getting honest with the climate of your relationship and getting honest about what's going on. And so whatever that takes for you, whether that's tracking in a journal, whether that's really um, honing in on those. And, and I call them, I love them. I call them the alarm clock moments, which is like the alarm is going off. It's like a, um, as if you were like, if you were ever to be like dating someone and they acted like this, like, like that is an alarm clock. Like I remember thinking if I remember even saying to him, if I was dating you and you did this to me, you would be out in a second. And so that's where that whole concept of actions speak louder than words to comes in. But I think assessing and being truly honest with yourself of what's going on in the relationship. And I found that I was sugarcoating. I was excusing out his behavior. I was um, explaining out like why he wasn't coming to family get togethers, why we didn't show up to a wedding, you know, this and that. Um, do, do you find that you did that as well? Oh, exactly. I, yeah, I did all of that. And you latch on to the good things, right? And you ignore the bad. <laughs> so, and you look at, like you said earlier, you look at the person that you, you want to see, right? It's, it's almost like you're dating and you have, what did they call it? Like the rose colored goggles. Yes. Where you're like, I only see what I want to see and I ignore what I don't want to see. Right. And so I got to the point where I loved, like, it took me a while not to listen to the words and just follow his behaviors. So I even had to start writing it out. Like, what are his behaviors? Like, yes. ignore what he's saying, document everything that he's doing so that I myself can go back when I'm, when I'm questioning myself. <laughs> yes. I can go back and be like, oh, wow, like, this is a lot. And then it starts adding up because in my, I keep a word document of my journal. So I get to see how many pages and pages and pages. And so, you know, once it starts adding up over time and you see the entirety of the behaviors, you're like, holy moly, this is nuts, right? Like, you know, I shouldn't, if someone did this once as a friend, they would no longer be a friend, right? But yes. this person has done this over and over and over and it's, it's one of those things where I think it's so hard with addiction because once trust is broken in a relationship, that is so hard to earn back, right? And so it's following those behaviors, not listening to words and intentions. And I had to like look at things differently where I laugh because Andrea, I even had to read a book called Spy the Lie <laughs> because... I was horrible yeah. at picking up lying because in my mind, I'm like, why would somebody lie to me? I don't lie yeah. to people. Exactly. So everything he said, I just took at face value 
over and over again. (laughs) Yes. And no shame. Uh, You are a loving, kind, trusting human. And I find that we're often, quite often shamed, especially when when we're dealing with loving someone with an addiction, um, such as terms like enabling, and, and there's some stigma around that and codependency and things like that. We're often slapped with labels. So you raise such a, and a it, it's so funny. I even Googled how not to care. <laughs> it's like, I didn't want to care so much. Right. So I think that our key thing that we're talking about here is paying attention to how your relationship feels most of the time, because sometimes we have blinders on a little bit. Sometimes we um, put up the blinders and that might keep us there longer than we should, or we may not be seeing, or we may be excusing out behaviors. And so just seeing things and being honest about the, the things that we are dealing with and the things that are around you, I think, and really paying attention to those alarm clock moments. So those moments that really stand out as, hmm, that does not seem right. That that's, that's actually abuse or, you know, that's actually lying. That's, that's actually stealing. And, um, that's not right. And I remember thinking like, I'm, you know, I would say to him, it's like, he would blame me for something like, I'm not the problem here. (laughs) And so I think this really, it helps us just this idea of reflecting on, the the truth, the climate of the relationship and being completely honest. And do you have any tools or strategies that the listeners maybe can use? I love how you did a list and just anything else that comes up. Oh gosh. Um, like I said, it took, it took me a long time to figure out like now I feel like I can tell there's telltale signs of lying. <laughs> so I really had to like, slow down and really watch him, like watch his facial expressions, watch how he answered questions. And it took me, I think I've gotten a lot better at one, picking up when he's lying. And then two, immediately now I can recognize gaslighting and manipulation. And it's, it's one of those things where, like I said, if you're, if you're not sure what it is, (laughs) There's so many references. I think there's that the show coming out, um, the the gaslit show as well, because I think it's becoming more and more mainstream around emotional abuse, manipulation, you know, toxic relationships, things like that. And so I think, you know, really, really analyzing the relationship, really understanding yourself, um, and understanding what it, what do you value? Like, what do you need out of, re, of a relationship? What does a healthy relationship look like to you? What are you willing to tolerate? What are you not willing to tolerate? So I had to do a lot of work on like, what are my non-negotiable boundaries? What are those things that I will absolutely not tolerate in this relationship? And those are not things like, oh, he can never lie again. Because someone that has an addiction is going to lie. Like that they is will just protect hard. their addiction. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So really thinking about what are those, like, if this happens, I will go. No questions asked. And like, you have to be prepared to follow through with the consequences of your boundaries. You know, it's not, it's like a kid. You can't threaten to punish them and never punish them. Right. Yes. (laughs) And I hate to use an analogy of punishment, like let's say natural consequence. So I, I see it as this is my boundary. 
if you cross this, this is the natural consequence and what I will do. And that takes kind of the emotion out of it because, you know, he doesn't like these boundaries. He doesn't, he doesn't want the consequences, but yet he flies over them. And I have to, you know, non-emotionally, this is the natural consequence of your behavior. We're done. Like, that's it. No more discussion. I'm not changing my boundary. You know, it is what it is type of thing. Um, so I think there's, there's still a lot of work that we can do um, to understand ourselves. I had to come to terms with enabling <laughs> and my role in enabling his behavior. Um, I will say it was also very difficult for me because for those people on the outside looking in, they saw a completely different view, right? They're like, oh, you're a beautiful family. He's a wonderful husband. He's a wonderful father, you know, and that just added to this internal shame and guilt and like thinking, ew, like all these dirty little things. And you have children. Yep. Yes. Yes. So there's, I mean, it's so complex to navigate. Okay, Courtney, um, you brought up something and I want to circle back. I love this non-negotiable boundaries. And, and we talk a lot about boundaries, especially when you love someone with an addiction, but sometimes it's so hard to come up with these boundaries. And it's like, it's hard to set the consequences associated with them. And I find a lot of people struggle with this concept. And one thing that I think really is great in the positive psychology world and also that has helped me personally is Going back one step further, thinking about all those things that you value, thinking about the things that you need, and that'll help you set boundaries that are personal to you. So for example, if you really value kindness, for example, um, then your need for kindness is going to be high. So the second your need, your like your need for kindness is not being met, and you're being met with something else. Well, then you are basically, you know, your boundaries are being crossed. You are, you know, you're not getting your needs met. So I find that it's almost like. Make, even if you have to pull up a whole list of values and right, like circling the ones that really resonate with you and then narrowing it down to like your top five values and your top or even your top three. And you'll notice that when you know what you value and you know what your needs are to, around those values, then you can advocate for those needs. And part of advocating for your needs is establishing boundaries when your needs are not getting met or or making requests, trying to get your needs met. Or what it does too is it reminds you of, you know what, if I, if I value respect, then it makes sense that I'm triggered when I am not respected. And if I value respect, well, then why am I putting up with this? Or why am I allowing this disrespect to happen? Or, you know, so I think that just by getting that self-awareness around what it is that you value and then taking another step further, well, what am I needing? I need someone to talk to me kind, or I need someone to, you know, if he says he's going to be here at 10 o'clock to be here at 10 o'clock. Right. And um, so I think that knowing what you value and knowing your needs kind of just gives you that insight to yourself that it's like, wait a second, like, absolutely not. I won't tolerate that because because I value this, you know, or does any of that resonate with you? Yeah. And when, when you said top five values, so we did this at 
when COVID hit, I had to do this for work. And same thing, we looked at the list of values and they're like, pick out your top five. So I think not only your values, but I've done a lot of work on what's my personality. And so understanding my personality has helped me also come to terms and understand like why, why was I susceptible? Like, why did I stay? Why was I susceptible? So I, I'm a very much like a, a what do they call it? Like INFJ advocate personality. I have a strong caregiver <laughs> part to me. I have a very strong loyalty part where I was like, in my mind, I had to do everything that I could possibly do to salvage this relationship because, you know, we were married, we had two kids and my mind would not let me leave until I was like, okay, I have proven to myself that I have absolutely done a hundred percent. Like there's nothing else more I can try. This isn't going to work. Right. And so I think understanding values, your needs, your personality, um, are instrumental in thinking through. And I think also like understanding. So I had to write a list, like understanding why am I staying? And yes. so I had a whole huge list. Why am I staying in this relationship? And then let's think <laughs> yeah. of some reasons. Let's think of some reasons. Cause this is so good. This is gold. Why am I staying and creating a list? I actually did stay or go like list pros and cons on both sides. So what would some reasons be? I, I mean, let's just make some examples of reasons why we might stay. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there could be religious reasons, you know, they don't, you don't believe in divorce, financial reason. Um, the kid, the kids were at the top of my list, right? <laughs> Cause I thought my parents aren't divorced this is going to have a huge effect on my kids. Like I don't, it's also going to have a huge effect on my co-parenting and not having holidays with my kids and not being with them full time. Like that was huge for me. And I think that's one of, I mean, another podcast, that's a huge struggle, you know, in, in leaving a relationship. Um, mine was, he had mental health issues and he was emotionally unstable. And I felt like, part of his manipulation was suicide. Like he would threaten yes. to do something. Well, of course I'm like, well, I can't like, if I leave and I take the kid, he's going to spiral down. Yeah. How would I live with myself if he did something right? Like there was, <laughs> so, and that was part of the reason I didn't file divorce immediately when I said, get out of the house, because I was like, he was not stable and I didn't, I didn't want to add divorce on top of it. So I thought, okay, I'll just pause, talk to the lawyers, you know, make sure he gets himself in a, in a stable place and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. Right. So I think there was that component as well. Um, he was on my health insurance. So that was also a big thing where I thought, well, I can't, <laughs> he need he has health issues. He needs to have health insurance you know, all of those empathetic, compassionate yeah. parts of this. <clears throat> um, you know, financially, I'm lucky, but not all people can live off of one salary and support themselves. Like that is, it, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, and then obviously your pool, like the extended family and your friends and everything else that you've built up. I mean, I knew this man for 20 
it's 21 years now. Like that's a big chunk of your life. Um, the fears, I would think about. Fears of loneliness, being <laughs> yeah. alone. Yes. Not having anyone want to date you because you're older now <laughs> and you've got two kids. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 41. Like, I didn't think I would be a single mom and like, you know, I have to go back into a dating pool in my forties. Like that's not the life I envisioned for myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is just so many, I don't know. Can you so think many of reasons and they all make sense. Right. And that's, that's part of it. Right. And just honoring that they're there. Like there's, there are so, and that's why a lot of people don't understand because they don't understand all these reasons why someone would stay and, and, and you know what, and it could just be even the, just the sheer amount of love that you have for that human mm-hmm. and that you're just hopeful that they are going to get better. You're yeah. praying and hoping every day um, that they're, they're going to go into recovery or seek treatment and, and you're sticking it out right? Sticking it yeah, out. Or you listen to their words of like, oh, this will never happen again. I'm going to get the help I need. And then in my mind, it was also like, Courtney, you took wedding vows, you know, in sickness and in health. Like, this is sickness. <laughs> like, what's the difference between this and, you know, some other diabetes or cancer or like, yes. like you're abandoning the person that you love. Yeah. But then, I felt you know, that. all of these rationalizations and things that you have to, that your mind thinks about and your justification for, um, you know, maybe I, you know, it took me a long time to even recognize a, the word abuse, like, Yes. And say like, I was emotionally abused. Like now I can say that, but three years ago, I would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm not, I wasn't emotionally abused. Like, (laughs) but now I'm like, I have no problem calling abuse, abuse. Um, And realizing that, you know, this is not healthy. This is not a a normal thing in a relationship. Um, And understanding you know, I used to tell myself relationships are hard, Courtney, like relationships are hard, right? <laughs> that was my rational. But then I'm like, it should not be this hard. It should never be this hard, right? Um, so it's just that, you know, really thinking things through doing that deep dive into your relationship and, you know, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, what do I want type of thing? Why are we staying? Okay. So yeah. So I think that we, we've really isolated this idea of, okay, relationship uncertainty. Maybe you're in the relationship and these are, you. maybe you relate to many of the reasons we said. Um, maybe you also, the uncertainty that comes is also knowing you have an inkling that maybe this isn't right for you, or perhaps you've had those alarm clock moments or just red flags and you're just, you're at your wit's end, you're exhausted you're depleted but then you you know you're 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 I always say you're one foot's on a banana the other one's in it's like you're ready to get out yeah so let's talk a little bit about how do you figure that out and I think that it's it's very individual for everybody I think what happens um when you end up what deciding whether you stay or leave I think it's really individual and nobody can tell you yes or no stay or go I think what has to happen is listening to the wisdom of your inner voice listening to the wisdom of your body your lived experience taking in all the factors 
And I think for me, like I, I almost left him so many times and, um, and I always say that him leaving was one of the best things that ever happened. Cause I probably would have stuck around a lot longer for a lot more abuse. But, um, so what made me want to leave actually was because so much of his behavior was not in line with my values. They were not in line in line with what a healthy relationship looked like to me. They weren't in line what I knew that I was worthy of. They weren't in line of, so I started actually, and this is what I, I don't know if this will help the listeners, but I created this love list <laughs> and I created a list of the ideal relationship or person that I wanted to be with. I was still in the relationship. I just needed to have clarity on what was important to me. What is it that I value? And what is it that I'm worthy of? Because I was, I was really not being treated the way that I know I deserve to be treated. And it was going down this downward spiral. So in order to get clarity is I made this love list. And it was like everything from like everything. I imagined all the the people that I was with in the past, all their positive characteristics and, and, and character traits. And just, and what I would do is I would imagine how it felt. To, I would take their head off. I know I sound crazy, but I would not have anyone's head on the behaviors, but I would almost like just like be in the behavior as what it felt like for someone to come home at a respectful time and like actually eat dinner with me and the family. I would imagine what it's like to have a man that wants to come to bed with me and be intimate with me at a reasonable time, like simple things. I imagine what it's like to have a man go out and say he's getting gas and actually come back within, you know, the next 20 minutes instead of 10 hours later. I imagine all the things like that I wanted in a relationship, um, you know, going and working out together or, you know, rubbing my back and just being with me or whatever it is I created. I went through, I, I went down to all the details, like all the details and I create this love list and what happened in, in my values, what I value, what I want, what I desire. And it started making me re it started to make me realize that what I had in front of me wasn't that. Mm -hmm. And he was no longer that. And then it was almost like the day for me that I realized that this is going downhill is a, when I found out about the addiction. And then also, um, when I, I was put through the ringer of saying he was going to stop and didn't, and then, and then disappeared on binges. I was like, okay, you know what? So that list and connecting to my values, it helped me so much because I looked at it going, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore. And it really was a eureka for me, even though I did end up staying longer, <laughs> it made the process of the O separate. And I have to say, I have to say, Courtney, that this love list, I have, I have a boyfriend that is literally everything on this love list, even, even to the point of a pickup truck. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, so, and I think in my case, I think I knew about the addiction for about six years. And I was willing to stay as long as he was willing to work on his addiction and, and try to be in recovery. Cause I felt like, you know, I've got my non-negotiable boundaries. If you respect my boundaries and you don't cross my non-negotiable and you're willing to work on yourself, I'm willing to stay because I feel like it's worth it. Right. But it was the minute where he had crossed the non-negotiables and, and went back to complete denial of his problem. And that's when I was like, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
you know, like you, I, I told myself probably a dozen times, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope, but then I kept doing it. And I'm like, why yeah. am I like, why do I keep doing this? And then there was one day where I was like, it was like a flip just switched. And I'm like, I can't tell people like how, you know, but it's like, I've heard from so many people. It's just you, one day, you know, you just know, like, I just, yes. there is absolutely no way I can do this any longer. It is, yeah. it is not good for me because I feel like if you're in a relationship and you can buffer yourself and you can navigate the addiction, well, it's not affecting your life. Great. But in my yes. case, it was like this, this addiction was such a, like, I, I envision it as like this toxic sludge that just like seeped into every yes. single aspect of our life. And I was like, this is not good. Like this is not healthy for anyone. And I'm having such horrible, like I was having physical issues, like migraines, you know, stomach issues. I was like, I felt like I was starting to get chronic fatigue, just dealing with him. <laughs> I had such horrible anxiety and fears for my kids and fears for myself. And I was like, this is not healthy on any level. Any Yes. <laughs> and I got to one point where I thought, I'm going to have to put myself on an anxiety medication just to deal with this yes. situation. And then I was like, no, Courtney, like, just remove yourself from the situation and your anxiety goes significantly down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, true. I remember going to Florida <laughs> when I was and it was the first night that I actually slept through the night. Like when I wasn't around him, he didn't come with the family. He was like. And it's amazing how like, just like remove, I removed myself. I found so much peace and that was a clue to me, a huge clue, but you're so right. Like, and so it's different for everyone. You, everyone will have a moment where like, you know, where it's too t challenging to stay in the relationship. Um, and then, and, and, and you want to leave, or if it's tolerable and you're not languishing, then, you know, then you can, obviously you'll stay there a little longer or you'll stay there forever even. And so everyone wishes that for everyone, right? Is that, okay, they seek recovery. They come back. He's the person that I fell in love with. Like that would be the ideal situation. But I think we're talking about a few things here, which are just basically self-awareness, becoming honest with yourself, knowing what it is that you value, notice, know what you need, know, notice also where you're languishing and where you're struggling. Like if you are exhausted at your wits end and it does not feel healthy, no matter what, if there's abuse there, abuse is abuse is abuse, whether you're dealing with addiction or not. Um, there's, I used to always excuse out the abuse because of the addiction. And I have seen a lot of people do that too, in the support group, but it's still abuse. It's still taking its toll on us. And so I really love this message of being honest with yourself, assessing the relationship climate, know how you are. And the only thing that you can focus on is yourself. And so whether you're grappling with, should I stay or should I go? And you have this relationship uncertainty. I think there's so many things to look at and so many things to evaluate that nobody can give you that answer. But I think the main message here is, is thinking about how you want your future to look. I remember this exercise really working well for me is thinking about either what my future self would say to me, 
And then kind of like going, they would be saying, Andrea, get the frig out. Like, what are you doing? You deserve so much better than this. Don't worry. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, or just really thinking about, you know, that loveless. What is it that you value? How do you want to be treated by um, a person you're in a relationship with? Right. And it's almost like it helps you zoom out the lens so you can gain new perspective on the relationship you're currently in. That tool helps quite a bit too. Just shifting that perspective. And then also, I just want to offer the listener just some lots of self-compassion. Like you don't need to figure it all out now. I remember I was preparing myself for leaving because, but then I would also give myself the grace of when I would stay with him. And like, it makes sense because you absolutely are in love with this person. You love him. So I had to do what I had to do. And you probably listeners are doing the same thing. And so give yourself lots of compassion, no matter where you are in all of this and self-care. I think focusing on yourself and looking after yourself because it can be so stressful and draining and self-care is, is so crucial. And then you raised a really great point in the beginning. You would call your friend, say, is this crazy or am I crazy? Right. And so like community is so important, reaching out to community. We love the SYCAM community because you, you, you're in a safe private environment that you can share with people who know exactly what you're going through or very yeah, close and, to it. And finding those safe friends that you that are not going to give you unsolicited advice, but they will push you on like, you know, what, what is it that you value? What do you want? Like, why are you staying? Like having those conversations, because I will say I've started to talk to many different people because I, they bring in a different perspective and they bring in things where I'm like, Oh, I never thought about that. Like, <laughs> and, and thinking like, well, before, before I like decided to leave, I wish I would have talked to a bunch of divorced people that had the experience <laughs> you know, yeah. so that I would have been mentally more prepared for that decision and, and, you know, what I was going to face because there's so much stuff that I'm like, oh, when you haven't been through something, you don't know. Right. And so it's this, you don't know what you don't know. But you're also in a situation, like you said, where you're so close to something, you can't realize, you know, exactly what is going on and the extent of, of the dysfunction and unhealthiness in a situation until you do, you do take those like many, many steps back and look at the high level and gain that clarity on, you know, what is important to you? What do you want? Yes. And that expression, life's too short, right? And so I love your idea of zooming out the lens, gaining a new perspective when there is relationship uncertainty and, and getting honest with yourself. And I find so many reflective questions like, you know, do I see myself um, with sharing life joys with this person? Do I, are my needs being met in this relationship? Um, can someone perhaps love me better in the future? Or, you know, how does it feel? to be alone or, you know, what, what comes up for me? What fears are around that? Why am I staying? You know? And, and I always say also the thought experiment, go down the thought experiment. I remember I was going down the thought experiment of if I left and then I would do pros and cons of if I left. And then I would like look at my fears and I could reframe them. And then I would go down the thought experiment. If I stay, the pros and cons. But the thing is, there's so many unpredictable variables around it that um, you don't have control over the addicted loved one in your life. So 
The only thing you have control over is you. And I think that just by tapping into and remembering what it is that your self-worth, remembering your self-worth, uh, that you are worthy of all those things you value. You're worthy. So if you if you value respect, well, then you're worthy of respect. You have the right to be respected. And so um, that's another wonderful way to, to kind of zoom out the lens, remember who you are, remember your value, remember your self-worth and all those things that are so important to you. And then asking those honest questions. Can you think of anything else, Courtney, that might help the listener? I think we... Yeah, I'd, I'd say also define your self-worth because mm-hmm. I had to do... I spent a long time thinking like, like you said, who am I and what do I bring? Like, what do I bring to myself, to my family, to my parent, like what is my worth and understanding you have an inherent worth and it's not tied to someone else and it's not tied to what they do. And no matter what they've told, because I mean, for me in my situation, I felt I had this, I always felt not enough. Like nothing I do is going to be enough for this man. And I just felt like this little tiny person, even though I would say, you know, I have this, a great self-worth, great capacity, you know, wonderful qualities that I had forgotten, right? And so it's that, like, bring back, what is it that you bring to the table? What do people value? I mean, even asking people, like, what do you like about me? And you'd be surprised at what people bring up where you're like, oh, I forgot. You know, I am kind, I am compassionate, you know, I am responsible and this and that and that and it's like you just start to lose those things when you're so in that muck and just trying to survive and you know there's just so much that gets lost right oh so true I remember thinking am I lovable like maybe I'm broken or I remember thinking that you know he'd be out in the garage all night and you're like, you just start to question him. I'm not fun. Like you, like he'd rather be with other people. Like, and you're so right. Your self-worth can get so eroded. So I love this idea of tapping back into your self-worth and remembering your worthiness. And also nobody can really take away the value that you bring this world. And so I love how you asked your friends and, and another exercise too, is to Think about how someone would like brag about you and and what are your superpowers? Like in positive psychology, it's all about strength finding. And like, so tapping back into those things that make you you who you are or think about a past challenging event that you've been through or a circumstance and how you handled it and navigated it and find the strength in that. And I love your example too of just asking, even if it's a best trusted friend, um, what is it that I'm really good at? Or how would you describe me, you know, at my best and, and remembering those strengths and remembering what makes you unique and, and yeah, cause we kind of, we forget this, right? And so it's so important to remember our worthiness and build ourselves back up. And that's part of the whole self-care, um, having the courage to show up in our world in a way that, you know, trying new things. I always say, and one thing I did do is I started just focusing exactly putting the lens back onto me. And that's the whole point of this community. And I started just taking back to my Saturday morning yoga classes. I remember trying all different yoga classes. I remember 
starting to run. I would, even though I'm not a runner, I would run for like 10 minutes and just to get my anger out, I started, you know, I just really eating healthy, whole foods. I tried to go to sleep and I had this ritual that, you know what, whether he comes home or not, I'm not going to let it stress me. I ha- started having this like mantra that I would just pretend he was actually in bed beside me and he wasn't <laughs> to help me go to sleep. So I wouldn't stay up all night worrying. Um, and my sleep is important. And I would start do- doing meditation. So and going for my walks and my hikes. And it's just all those things. It's like, it's like moving yourself from the bottom of the totem pole all the way back up to the top and knowing that you're worthy of good care. You're worthy of your needs. You're worthy of what it is that you value and you deserve to have those in your life. And then it's almost like advocating for those things. Mm-hmm. And letting, and I will say letting go of what doesn't serve you, right? Like I carried around so much shame and guilt that was not my shame to carry around. <laughs> so yep. make like a big process of letting that go. And and I think I also, in my case, I don't know if you experienced this as well. Like he projected his insecurities onto me. And instead of being that strong person that was like, like push away, I just like absorbed those. Yes. And then, and got to the point where I was like, oh, like maybe I I do treat other people like maybe I do this. And then I thought, then I realized, oh my goodness, like no, he was just projecting everything onto me and not knowingly, you know, I'm naive and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm the problem, right? <laughs> so so really doing and like I said, it it just it's 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 a process and it takes a long time to really understand what went on and what's going on and why you feel a certain way and you know what's healthy to take on and what's not healthy to take on right oh I love that and that reminds me I used to put up an imaginary Batmobile shield like I pretend that I have a shield so what he was saying wasn't going to affect me so when I was in the muck I would sit there I'm like I would pretend to push the button on the shield it would go it's almost like I had a whole like shield around me so I would I was trying to like you know, that expression, whatever you say, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. I almost wanted to create that shield so that I could be non-reactive. So it buffered me that space. And just, even though it was a primer for me, I would put that shield up and I would sit there and go, you know what? I, I know what you're doing. You're picking a fight right now so that you can leave. So let's just bypass the fight and you just leave. Because I, I knew exactly what he was doing. It's almost like you can start to see through it. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other episode we need to do about the lies, spot the lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you become expert on that one. So um, yeah, so formulating these strategies to help safeguard your own mental health and, and try to really help um, understand, like the, the whole discussion today is this idea of uncer- relationship uncertainty. And that is at the forefront when you love someone or in a relationship with someone with an addiction, because, because there are the yo-yos, the ups and the downs. And so I hope we kind of equipped you with some 
things to work with, some juicy nuggets to help you, whether you're staying or going um, or just navigating the relationship. It is hard. We want to offer you so much love and compassion and nobody can answer that question except you. You will know when it's right time to leave or you'll know that it's okay to stay, that it's safe to stay. And so um, just honoring yourself and and practicing huge amounts of self-compassion and self-care and and we just want to celebrate your courage because Courtney and I have been there. We know what it's like. <laughs> yep. It's hard. You know, it's hard either way. And I also want to say like, it, your choice isn't set in stone. You could decide to stay. Like looking back, I decided to stay nine years ago and I don't regret that at all. I mean, there are certain reasons I don't regret, regret that, but you know, nine years later, I decide to go. And not a day goes by that I regret going because, you know, the, the continued behaviors, I'm like, no, I cannot accept that. But it also doesn't mean that, you know, two, five, 10 years down the line, if someone really decided to get into recovery and change, you know, the situation might change. So don't, don't, I don't know that I would like put timeframes on it and, and put all this pressure on staying or going. It's just... Yeah. Like live your life, do the work. <laughs> prioritize and, yourself. Yes, prioritize yourself. And you will learn and you will, like you said, things will become clearer as you go on. Um, and if someone's in recovery and doing well, like that's wonderful and that's great. And, it, you know, great for you and, and you know, good for staying. But again, it's this, you can't, it's such a personal choice. You can't and block out the unsolicited advice from people because I don't even 15 years ago I can't tell you how many people were like leave that relationship you're too good for this (laughs) I'm like that is not helpful (laughs) at all right like I said just makes me feel bad and then makes me question like what is it that's wrong with me right (laughs) And you're so right. Like the answers will come and they do come. And I remember having moments where like, I would like be on my walks and I'm like, okay, universe, I need some sort of sign. And then sure enough, something would unfold or I'd, I'd find something else out. And it's almost like, um, I was going actually to get my hair cut when the girl that was cutting my hair actually knew one of my addicted loved ones, best friends. And she's like, well, do you think all what you're dealing with is a cocaine addiction? And she's like, oh, because such and such is a coke, the biggest coke head that I know. I'm like, what? And then so she knew all about cocaine and she was saying what someone might act like and what addiction might look like and like, you know, some of the symptoms around it. And so it was because I went for my haircut that I got this information that I then found out what I was dealing with. It was amazing. So it's amazing how when you ask for answers, or you just like you keep your eyes and ears open and you're honest with yourself. It's amazing how the universe will present you with more information that you can make decisions with and um, or that you have more to work with. Now, I have to say, I'm so glad that we didn't make this episode all about when you go, how amazing life can be. <laughs> because I do have to say that it it has been absolutely like, it was so hard initially. I was like scraping black spray paint off my garage doors. I was so alone. I was sad. I was missing him. And 
I still have moments to this day and it's three years later, but um, I have to say that my life has just opened up and there is so much peace that, that has come and so many good things that have come out of my leaving, but we didn't want to make this whole episode about how amazing it is to go because that may not be the right answer for everybody, but for Courtney and I, we have found a tremendous amount of strength and peace and opportunity and growth from, um, from our leaving. So if there's one final thought, Courtney, I'll leave it with you. One final thought that you'd like to share with the listener that what would it be? Um, first thing you're going, I would say, you know, like you said, keep your eyes wide open, you know, educate yourself. Knowledge is power in this situation. Know what you're dealing with and really understand if you're going to stay, understand why you're staying, you know, make that list. Understand if you're going to go understand why you are leaving. Um, that way you always have something you can go back to and remind yourself because in those hard times when you're, you know, I'm randomly crying in my shower and yeah. <laughs> when I, I didn't have so my much. kids, you know, then I go back to my list of like, oh, this, like, that was really hard. Like, this was so hard. And this is why you left. And you don't have to deal with that anymore. Because I think I got to one point where I was like, when I told myself I would rather be alone for the rest of my life than spend one more day in this relationship, <laughs> that's when I was like, it's time to go. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, like I said, just be patient. The The right answer will reveal itself. And like I said, you can always change. Things change. People, yep. people can change. You know, it's not like you're locked in forever um, and just one day at a time. So. I love that one day at a time. And it's so true. I love that. Yeah. I love that idea of keeping a list of why you're staying, why you're going or whatever it is, because then you can always go back to I have my red journal that I still have to this day to remind me of, you know, the muck that uh, the, the stuff that I dealt with. And I purposely kept that because if he ever were to weasel its way back into my life. I have a clear reminder of why it is that I'm not in that relationship. And then it also fueled me for what it is that I did want. And I had my love list to help me bring in really effective, amazing relationships into the future. And now again, in, into future being like when I started dating, I was like, oh gosh, like I would be so heightened with red flags. So, you know, so it, there's so much growth and learning opportunity through everything. And I love your idea to create that list. And and just more self-awareness around it too. So good. Yay. Well, thank you. The one last, the one yeah, last thing yeah. I love from another podcast, like red flags are red flags. <laughs> you know, red flags are not um, there to challenge you, right? <laughs> red flags are there to make you notice something, you know, pay attention to the red flags, pay attention to the behaviors. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Red flags are red flags. Yay. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. 
Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.